स्मार्ट यू आर लिसनिंग टू अमिंट प्रोडक्शन प्रॉट यू बाय एच टी स्मार्ट हेलो एंड वेलकम टू टेल मी हाउ यू डेट इट आई एम नम्रता सकारिया एंड आई एम हियर टू ब्रिंग टू यू माई हैंड पिक लिस्ट ऑफ सम ऑफ इंडिया फाइनेस्ट ब्रांड्स येस आर बेस्ट होम ग्रोन कंपनीज that can compete with the world's best and still win the battle hands down these companies range from food fashion and film to home art and design i'm only too happy to talk to the founders who not only chased their rainbows they also made india proud make sure you tune in at hdsmartcast.com week after week to shake the hands that built our best businesses listen to them tell me how they did it The Gem Palace is one of India's oldest jewelry houses and so easily its most renowned. In the 16th century, the Kaslibals moved from Agra to Jaipur on the invitation of the then king, Sawai Jaisingh II, who the city is named after. They were appointed court jewelers in 1725 and opened their first flagship store in 1852. It still stands on the same street, the Mirza Ismail Road, and is a must-do on every tourist list. Some of these tourists have been Indian and European royalty and persons of importance, such as Jawaharlal Nehru and Indira Gandhi, Lady Mountbatten, Jacqueline Kennedy, Prince Charles and Diana, Nicole Kidman, Gwyneth Paltrow, and so many others. Gem Palace has had as many as 24 boutiques across the world in New York, LA, Istanbul, Paris and Tokyo too. Siddharth Kaslewal, the ninth generation of the family and a partner at Gem Palace is here to tell us all about his legacy. Welcome to the show Siddharth. I'm really glad to have you here days before your brother's wedding. So thank you. Thank you Namrata. It's an honor to be here at while talking to you. Siddharth, what is it like to work in a family business of nine generations? Do you feel a sense of pride, or do you feel pressure? Uh, you know, it's both. There is more pride than pressure. The pressure is to keep the legacy on, and um, obviously, I take immense pride in being the nine generation jeweler for this iconic house, the Gem Palace, and. i would say it's pressure because how carefully the business has been handed over from generations to generation and how my grandfather handed to my dad and then to me i would like to do it for the future generations to come so it's it's a beautiful transformation transfer of like you know the stories the legacy uh who all visited gem palace there are these amazing uh memories how people have have been here it's it's all a a great thing to be there of course it's a very very special place it has historical importance but it also has the most remarkable jewels i've ever seen the craftsmanship is unparalleled what do you think makes the business mm-hmm. so unique you said it namrata i believe our number one thing has been craftsmanship um when you come to gem palace and when our clients are you know they have a discerning eye they really want the best of the best that has been made and that's what i've been taught ever since i was like 9 years old i've been coming to the workshops with my dad after school and i would see him work 
with all these you know pebble sized stones how he used to stare at them for hours and i would always be like dad what are you looking at because to me it all looks the same and he would be like when you'll grow up you'll understand and you know all these fascinating stories growing up it it just it's in your blood and uh, this is where i feel that when i saw the attention to detail and the time and the patience and passion when i saw my father work with it that's where you know it's it's hard not to fall in love with with your legacy and as a very young kid you start thinking wow is this what i'm going to do so it's 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 been a remarkable journey from childhood to i'm almost in my mid 30s now so tell me a little bit about your meenakari techniques because they're pioneering and and you know i was introduced to meenakari as the gem palace so to speak technique how has it become the language of of india of jewelry in india at least of north india see meenakari is uh, is a very uh, important thing which defines indian jewelry uh, and especially rajasthan because when jaipur was built by savai jaisingh ji he had gotten the best craftsmen not only from rajasthan but from all over india calcutta hyderabad you know bikaner had different school of enamel jaipur had a different school of enamel jodhpur had a different school of enamel the varanasi enamel was pink in color but since jaipur became the center of culture and art everybody from different parts of india traveled to jaipur on the invitation of maharaja and that's how our family came in from agra and this was the time where enamel and enameling technique were being perfected every day every year every decade and uh, it was a way for a jeweler or an enameler to uh you know how an artist expresses himself that's how a jeweler could express in self and his labor of love through enameling so they always said that you know enamel used to be at the back yeah in the jewelry mostly yeah. but but there were a lot of enamel objects yeah but it was usually even when the maharajas would look at the piece of jewelry they were not impressed by the bauble size diamonds and rubies and all they would always look at the reverse and see the attention of detail to enameling and that's when they judged it that how much time this artisan has spent on making this piece so that's it's how like it all it's like a secret it doesn't show it's like it just stays with you and on your skin so it's like something that's it, for your personal pleasure right yes it was called the wearer's pleasure the wearer's pleasure lovely and you've also yes. taken that into real diamonds because i saw some lovely images where the back of the jewelry is studded with like its own design and it's not reversible it ha- it's just something that touches the skin just for the like a secret Ex- exactly so you know the whole idea was when we are known for our traditional kundan meena yeah jewelry with enameling yeah. but back in early 
2000 when my family we started this new collection which we call Indo Russian, which is uh, an alloy of gold and silver, which now people call it Victorian jewelry, but but we called it Indo Russian was just a name given because of the uh, jewelry which was used in 18th 19th century in uh, Russia and uh, in Europe. So the whole idea was at that time, they would leave the bags empty and the whole concentration was put in front to put rose cuts. Yeah. But bringing this concept that it's not only what the eyes see, but the body sees and feel as well, is when our family started doing this jali work at the back, which is the gold filigree work, and started setting beautiful, extraordinary designs like, you know, Tree of Life, a deer in the jungle, elephants, peacock dancing, uh, you know, all these like designs which were inspired by the enameling technique only, but instead of a paint, real diamonds were set in that pattern. Yeah. So that's where this beautiful uh, work and this collection started. And Gem Palace came to be known as the first uh, brand to be doing this. Yeah. And that's what caused a lot of attention and it was received really well and people had never seen anything like that back in the states and that's where our journey in united states began in early 2000 when we started this collection fantastic tell me about your journey as a hotelier you're enjoying this new stint first with 28 koti this disarming little boutique in uh boutique hotel in Jaipur and now the jewelry, uh, the new resplendent jewel of Jaipur's Jewelry Bazaar. How did you manage to have this little digression? See, I think so, you know, hospitality is in every Indian's blood. We have grown up with this concept of Atiti Devo Bhava. Um, guests are like gods. And especially Jaipur has been one of the city where people have always visited to see the the architecture, the palaces, you know, how um, the streets have been designed, like the whole city, it's magical. Yeah. Jaipur is such an inspiring city that you don't need to look too hard to find an inspiration. And it has been the case for the last 250 years. So our family being at the Gem Palace have been lucky to host people from all across the world, starting from my grandfather as early as like 1940s, 50s, to my dad in 80s, 90s, to, to me now. So I would also say along with jewelry, hospitality was also in our blood. And for the longest time, we wanted a place where, you know, people can come and stay for a long time mm -hmm. and still they feel they are at home without feeling that they're staying in a big palace like Rambach Palace or in a business hotel like a Marriott or Hilton. So, and there was this, this space which I always thought is missing in Jaipur, which is a luxury boutique property because either they were Havelis or they were very corporate hotels. And I also wanted to create a safe space for all the creative individuals who come to Jaipur like a textile designer, a jewelry designer, a furniture producer. They're all these 
fabulous people, extremely talented people who have always considered Jaipur as their second home. Mm-hmm. Because that's where all the talented craftsmen, they live in this city. So that was the idea how 28 Koti was born. It's a very small property. It's only got six bedrooms, but it looks like when you walk in, you walked into your home. Yeah, it looks like someone's very lavish home. Very tastefully done. <laughs> Thank you. And the idea was, you know, how the house was built is 1950s Art Deco style. Yeah. Which you see in India, in Delhi, in Jaipur, Bombay, of course. But uh, unfortunately, a lot of it was taken down to build modern homes. Hmm. And and that doesn't fascinate people who are coming from Europe and the States because, you know, they've seen enough of it and they're not reaching out to us. Yeah. They're not reaching out to us for that. They're yeah. coming to Jaipur for something authentic and the way people live. So that that's how that's how we we did it. Um, you know, my my really uh, dear friend, uh, who's a Lebanese designer, Noor Kauji, who interned under my dad when she was 21 and worked with him for four years, had that eye of what my father would have done because 28 Koti was unfortunately started after my father passed away. And it was a dream that I wanted to do in his honor. When, when his friends or our clients or anybody who's yeah. coming to Jaipur could come and stay there. So Noor got on board. And she designed it. So as you can see, it is India with all the Indian paintings. and But at the same time, it's it's pretty modern. Yeah. It's it's contemporary chic. Yeah. The jewelry, it's it's gobsmacking beautiful. It it like sucks you in the in the face with like its aesthetics. All it's it's like a celebration of, of Jaipur. Yes. So Jory was an idea that again i always thought that it's jaipur is such a int- pink city the old part of jaipur is such an interesting city but there's not enough places for people to be there and the inspiration behind jori was one of my favorite cities marrakesh in morocco they have these beautiful riads which have been converted into now modern luxury boutique hotels but still keeping the aesthetic of their architecture and uh, the paintings so that's yeah. how jory was born and then i partnered up with my really good friends abhishek onward from bombay and his wife nena shah who runs a beautiful embroidery business in new york yeah and together we built jory and the idea was when you walk into the hustling, bustling streets of Jaipur, so noisy. And then this, the moment you enter Jhori, it's like you have entered an oasis of yeah. calmness and and peacefulness, you know? Like with almost every family business, there ends up being a rift between two siblings. In in this case, between your father Munu and his brother Sanjay Kaslival. But I see that you and your cousins, that your generation has steered that to a healthier space how do you how do you balance that see you know uh my grandfather always used to say that no two fingers in your palm are similar because they all have different functions mm-hmm. so 
they they all have their own strengths and they and if you get them together it becomes a fist so um with my father and my uncle uh they they both had their talents in their own way they they both had a different school of thought and uh, unfortunately that generation i believe communicated less and learning from our older generation we realized that you know communication is the key and that's how me my cousin my my brother we continue to do the business in fact as a matter of fact we we over communicate because everything is out there everybody shares their ideas there is a discussion behind it i just believe namrata it's the newer generation it's the is the newer school of thought uh people we have already so much stress around yeah. you just want to live in peace and harmony and i'm really happy and i'm glad that you know we didn't carry forward what happened in the yeah. older generation yeah and like you said you, you know i mean it's it, it is a jewel in itself right like that that legacy continues and should continue and i think so yes and it's very important because you know like how you take the good from your older generation you should also learn the mistakes they did in past mm. and if you don't learn then you will like you said you'll end up losing something which was built for generations i've never met your father munnu and i consider that a, a personal loss because he was such a grand larger than life figure i have friends who speak of him in like as if he's a hero you know like in reverence tell me about him what what was munnu kasliwal like at home what was he like at the office so you know when if you'll ask any of his friends and you take my dad's name munnu kasliwal you'll you'll see the twinkle of joy in their eyes and people's face lit up while talking about him that's how he's remembered so fondly because my father had that infectious smile that would just you know radiate and people would could not just stop laughing around him the, the beauty about him was like you had mentioned larger than life he was he was this creative genius but still a kid at heart who did everything with so much of excitement so much of exuberance he was like like with a little stone he gets so excited like how a kid finds a toy and they get excited so with learning from my father i started visiting new york while he collaborated with the met and it was a great honor not only for our company but also for any indian jewelry company to be how, how invited how old were you then 17 but you've been traveling with him from the time you were 9 because i i read yes. that you you as a child you used to go abroad with him to source big stones and, and yeah, that like I, mean, my... i can't imagine what that must have been like for a 9 year old it was fascinating and i remember my numerous trips to brazil with him yeah to buy the rough stones and you know going to like these jewelry offices where they would just pull out a sack of aquamarines amethyst and for me 
at that time i didn't know the names but it was like wow a blue rock wow a purple rock <laughs> at least you didn't think it was candy <laughs> <laughs> yes i was old enough by then so it, it it has been a great journey and just watching my father work was pure joy and uh, yeah that's what i learned from him that uh, you know it's not just a mere piece of jewelry every jewelry piece has a story and we may come and go but the jewelry you know lives on forever and that's what is happening my father unfortunately has gone too soon yeah but he's just left so many amazing memories in people's mind and he's left his legacy in form of his creations tell me about the museums jem palace has been at the met at in new york as you said and uh, the kremlin at moscow tell me about all these exhibitions so jem palace the first exhibition we had was in 2001 at the met which was a great honor to be invited by the met to do an exclusive collection for this um, exhibition called jeweled arts of india in the age of moguls so yes. that's where your first question come because all of those pieces had this best quality of workmanship enamel kundan technique inlay work and when the exhibition opened and when people looked at it nobody would believe that these pieces were not made centuries ago they like you know they all thought that they were antique pieces whereas they were recently made so that's what blew everyone's mind and they were like how is this possible and my father just had this smile and he said you know when you have that patience and passion everything's possible and so that india that, right like we live in so many centuries like at the hand making techniques are centuries old this is the most beautiful thing about our jewelry and the usp of gem palace is that we don't use any computer cads and casting machines to make our jewelry the biggest and the most important thing for us is that the jewelry is made how it was made centuries ago and that's how our journey with the met started and the exhibition was such a huge success that the met collaborated with us for the next 4 5 years for the jewelry that is not even from india like we did the greek and roman jewelry we did egyptian uh, wing we did third millennial so it all happened to be because they just believe that with the right kind of training you could produce that jewelry So, so that you, was it. So and you in, produced Egyptian style, Greek style jewels to yes, to showcase. Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. That's and what then a, came what a great learning curve as well. And then came in two thousand six. Another feather in the cap was we got invited to the Somerset House in London. Oh, nice. Making us the first jewelers to exhibit there as well, and uh, even there's a funny thing that. Uh, in london newspaper because it was all gem palace jewelry but the journalists confused it and they said uh, you know jepper royal family and centuries old jewelry is on display 
and we had to correct them we said no this is all newly made jewelry because we didn't want to send out a wrong message mm. but it was a really successful show because there were over 30000 visitors in a span of 2 weeks that's fantastic Must and then came the kremlin, the kremlin yeah in 2014 the kremlin must have been like you're competing with like you know those fabergé eggs and just the most it it i mean it just glitters so the kremlin came in 2014 and sadly i'd lost my father in 2012 so as you can imagine namrata was a very very emotional journey to be there representing his jewels and when my father wasn't there but uh, it was also a great sense of pride because the exhibition at the kremlin was called you know the great modern jeweler of india munnu kasliwal that's what there was a huge banner and you walk in and there were only 35 pieces 35 of his best pieces displayed so his name was on the marquee what a celebration thank you sidarth how much of the business comes from india and how much from the rest of the world i mean these are challenging times right uh pre pandemic i would say because we had jaipur is a city it's a very popular tourist destination especially with the europeans and americans and gem palace is a household name that they would always be like there are three places we need to visit in jaipur that's city palace rambagh palace and the gem palace <laughs> that that that's on their list so i would say the trends have shifted but it used to be 60 to 70% abroad and 30% indians who have been our long standing clients for generations like we feel that we are so lucky that we still have five to six generation of the families still buying from us oh, and it's fascinating yeah. to hear the story yeah. that my great grandmother bought this ring from your grandfather and this is where i am and i want to convert her nut into a mangtika because you know the nose ring is not so prevalent these days so but yeah. they still want to carry there so all these stories are what makes me makes me feel like proud at the same time makes me very nervous that i have a have huge shoes to fill in and a great legacy to carry on How did you manage the business during the pandemic during the lockdown during everything Well I would say you know still... Yeah I I would I would say it wasn't easy it wasn't easy for anyone so we were all in the same boat but probably we took a bigger hit than the other jewelers because Indians were still buying like their clientele which only depended on on Indians when things started opening up this they still bought but for in our case since a lot of our designs are made specifically as per the t- as per the european and american taste that just stood still in our in our sets and we had to do more than the contemporary uh, multicolor semi precious stone jewelry that the americans love we had to concentrate more on jadao wedding orders and that Uh, so the weddings 
in India, I have one business that saves a lot of other businesses. Yeah. Uh, because no matter what happens, Indians would not stop getting married. They <laughs> would not stop spending that kind of a money. So, so it was challenging at the beginning, but uh, as as you would know, I am a little uh, tech challenge, but I have two younger brothers and they are very good at it. And they really got on the platform and, and got their Instagram game up and started posting a lot of stories. You know, we were so, so busy with people. Walking basically, in. you went digital. You went fully digital. We went digital, but but we didn't go online. Like with, not with so, e-commerce, obviously, because it's, not with e-commerce, it, it's yes. not something you can you know, order off yeah. Amazon, of course. <laughs> exactly. So, and I always feel that luxury is something that has to be touched and felt. Yeah. So like for me, I would never buy jewelry online without looking at it. So in our case, our clients who, who were assured about our quality and genuinity of the stones and craftsmanship, they would see the pictures and whichever part they were in, they were like, Sid, send me this. Or could we have this? We are having a small wedding of 20 people. Could you make this? So that's how like bespoke jewelry, customized jewelry, it all started. I'm talking about 2020. Yeah. And then by 2021, even in India, a lot of things open. And I guess people were just so sick of pandemic. They're like, you know what? Where can we spend the our going money? Gets tough. <laughs> yeah, so the, so they say when the going gets tough, some go out for jewelry shopping. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but are there any challenges of running a jewelry business today to let's say maybe 20, 30 years ago? Because is the modern consumer still crazy about big, fat, beautiful baubles? It's definitely a big challenge now because, you know, digital media and and marketing your your jewelry on digital media i always say it's a double-edged sword you gain a lot but also your designs are out and yeah. unfortunately there is no way to protect it in india the copyrights are very tough like how can you copyright an elephant bangle because it's a very generic animal you cannot say that, okay this design was ours so first during my father's time uh when there was not so much of Instagram and pre-digital age, people would just fly down to see Munnu Kasliwal for five days, spend endless hours at Dembali, sipping a coffee, looking at jewelry. And what they bought and what they took, nobody got to know. You know, it was this mystery behind that, that only they know there was this excitement. Now, Everybody knows what everyone has because either they see it in wedding photos on Instagram or they would see it on Facebook and they'll know what Gem Palace is making. So that's a challenge and probably that's a healthy competition that everybody knows what everyone's making. But unfortunately, there are a lot of unfair trade practices that there are all these small craftsmen and carigas who are just ripping your design off. Mm-hmm. And just making them in really bad quality, in really bad stuff. And when people in pictures can't make out that there is a difference, they would be like, okay, I'll just get it, you know? So yeah. so that has hurt yeah. the business. That's what I feel. 
but our consumer taste changing would people rather go definitely for a like to some really far off place than you know buy huge something? huge you know first i would say when a wedding would happen in india 60% of the budget would be the jewels will be the mm. jewelry because yeah because a family always thought of it as an investment they're buying for their daughter and setting her off to another family and jewelry has always been considered an investment in india because it appreciates nowadays the trend has obviously changed because we all are in this insta war it's called that we need to you know do better than that person so now even the brides when they come and their parents want to buy jewelry they like no 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 we just want something small but we want to go on a 100000 dollar yacht trip or we want to yeah, go around thought, or yeah. we want or, or we want like a you know 30 40000 dollar birkin so the segments have have changed first it the luxury was only related to jewelry and like a pashmina shawl or shatush at at that time you know that people would spend it on but now you want a handbag and and you want a fancier party then spending it on a bracelet because yeah. people want experiences now then materialistic acquisitions yeah but there's also a small trend of people going back to handmade craft right anything that comes from india and is made by indians and is made by you know our artisans is 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 really what luxury really is you know and we're really lucky like that so i hope more and more people can see that and you know come back to our old school roots so to speak but it's happening now it's interesting you say that but i've seen that train uh, the trend change in the last 2 years yeah yeah actually when yes when i think so because of pandemic when people just couldn't travel they again got back to appreciating like handmade techniques and you know love for the art and craft behind the piece so that's an interesting observation i've also seen that uh people are getting back into that trend and i feel that's an amazing thing to happen so that what are your personal ambitions for gem palace see the personal ambition for for me would still be that you know uh, our future generation and we or as long as i live we could still continue to do the craftsmanship the handmade things sustainability one of the biggest challenges i find is because a lot of our craftsmen their kids don't want to do it and a lot of people are moving towards tech because they see easy money there so my biggest fear is that i don't want the next generation to be not seeing this and it's lost in the pages of history mm. that once upon a time this kind of jewelry was made in jaipur mm. and you know it has happened it has happened in a lot of parts of europe mm. you don't get to see that work because the new generation is not interested in in doing that hmm. so my personal ambition is to open up a school of design and craftsmanship and i could motivate and start a scholarship program and all that people continue to do so and then there is enough 
charm and there's enough financial motivation for them then to move on to other fields that's a wonderful that thing. is one of them yeah that's great yeah, vision that's one yeah. of them and yeah and uh, another of my thing that i really want to happen is i want to showcase my jewels in another fabulous museum hermitage at st petersburg because my father used to say that that was his favorite museum in the world it so is that's my other beautiful museum and ambition. i will come for that show very very soon because you're going to put it together very you very will soon. be cordially invited <laughs> Siddharth, it's been a wonderful chat. I'm so grateful to you for taking the time out of, you know, it's your personal time, your family time. And uh, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. And it was really lovely speaking to you, Namrata. If you enjoyed the show or not, write to me on Instagram, Twitter or Clubhouse at Namrata Sitar. You can catch the video podcast on the Lifeline channel on YouTube. For updates on Tell Me How You Did It, follow us at HT Smartcast. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse. To listen to more podcasts, log on to htsmartcast.com or suno nay nazariye se. This was a Mint production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast.